hello, my name is Anne. I am <laughs> 35 years old. It's not true. And I'm really clever. <laughs> hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is when she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading the love and the joy and uh, reducing our imprint, you know, for for future generations and for all that we share this planet with. I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it. Like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people and that's that's all we know about and why is that because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document their life Kaylin and I'm here with one of my bestest friends ever in the world and we're in quarantine right now so this is all through Skype and there's a little bit of a uh, buffer between us so sometimes it might be a little bit slower but can you introduce yourself to everyone and tell us where you're at? Yes my name is Anne. I'm from Denmark and I'm in Denmark right now. I'm sitting in my bedroom <laughs> and yeah, and in quarantine as well. So yeah. life right now. What is it like there in Denmark with quarantine? It's like, it's pretty intense, um, but people are fairly respectful of it. And I work at a store, so I still have to go to work. Um, and my mom work at the hospital, so that's that's a little bit hard hearing her stories. But other than that, I feel safe, and luckily, nobody in my close family has any diseases of any kind. So, so that's really nice. Yeah, it's interesting to see how different it is all over the world. But I feel like some of the same things are happening too. So it doesn't feel, what you say is happening there doesn't feel super different from what's happening here. Um, but yeah, I figured we could give people a little bit of a break, a little bit of adventure if they want to listen to some more uplifting things during quarantine. Not because bad things aren't happening, but because it is good to have a little bit of a break from the news as well and um, give our brains a little bit of a rest. So today we get to talk all about our trip to Thailand and our adventures and what we learned. Ooh. Yeah. And I think it's going to be really fun. Um, the first thing I always like to talk about is how I met someone. So do you want to tell everyone how we met? Yes, sure. Um, so in 2014, 
um, we both went on exchange with Rotary Youth Exchange, and we both ended up in Chile, in a bigger city called Coquimbo. And, well, I guess just, like, being two Rotary Youth Exchange students, we did not go to the same school nor get close to each other, but we went on a lot of amazing trips together and did a good amount of sleepovers. And through that, we just became better and better friends. Yeah, we we had some good moments when we were exchange students, like when we were crying on the plane together um, and talking about all the awkward things that happen when you live in a country that you've never been there before and all of a sudden you live there for a year. So I feel like it makes you really close really fast. And just having somebody like that goes through the same thing as you, because while you're on exchange, you might have some friends at home, but they do not know what it's like. Your friends at your new school, but they have no idea what it's like. Yeah. And like other exchange students in other countries kind of get it, but it's only if you're in the same country, like you really get it, I think. Yeah. So if people don't know when you're an exchange student, you're either in high school or you've just graduated high school. And you go to a country, and I think most people have never been to that country before. And some programs you live there for about six months, but for ours, you live there for a year. So that was, I believe that was both of our first times going to Chile. And we lived with like Chilean families to really soak in the culture. And I don't know if, I didn't speak Spanish when I moved there, did you? I could name four different colors and count to three in Spanish. That so sounds... no, I didn't know Spanish. <laughs> yeah, so that's one of the big things about when you're an exchange student. A lot of people prepare, but like it sounds like we didn't prepare. And then when you go to a country and it's it can often be a lot different than your home country, that's why it's so nice to have people in the same country as you that you can talk to because you're learning about a new culture and trying to fit in or trying to get assimilated or whatever it is. So it really makes you a lot closer. Definitely. And like for me, homesickness was a big thing as well. And just having people know that feeling of actually missing someplace that when you're there, you don't miss it. But as soon as you're not home, you really miss it. Uh, That totally, I know that happened for you and that, totally happened for me too I was like I can't wait to go home I miss everything so much and then I got home and I was like I need to go back (laughs) yep yep um so at the beginning of the podcast I always like to ask you a question so we can get to know you better and my question for you is So Anne and I have a plan that she's going to come to the U.S. because we hung out in South America. I went to her house in Denmark. Then we did Thailand, which is what the podcast is going to be about. And next, we're planning for her to come here to the U.S. So Anne, on our list of things to do, if you could only do one thing when you came to the U.S., what would it be? Oh, wait a second. That's a that's a tricky one. That's a tricky um, one. If I could only choose one. Well, like as one of them is pretty big, which is go on a road trip. I feel like that is kind of like big. So yeah. if I should choose like just one thing to do, that would probably 
go on lots of hikes and naked swimming. Yay! I love that one! <laughs> can, I, can I read some of our lists for people? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so on our list is go on road trip, watch High School Musical, because I think we're both a little ex- uh, obsessed. Um, meet Zac Efron is probably never going to happen, but that's on there. We're going to sneak into a pep rally so that she can go to a pep rally, go to a baseball game or football game. I don't like sports. I don't think you like sports either, but we just want to like <laughs> be in a crowd and yell and pretend like we know what we're yelling about. Go to three national parks, lots of hikes and naked swimming. Go swim in both oceans. Um, I'm going to have Anne try vegan biscuits and gravy, like a vegan southern thing. Um, Go to concerts like Taylor Swift, James Bay, Birdie, maybe Billy. That's the girl. And we have make Taylor Swift go vegan. That's a big, ambitious one. Visit animal sanctuaries, go to vegan restaurants, go to New York City so that you can go to Central Park. And you want to go to an all-vegan store, and we want to get tattoos. Boom, boom, boom. Yes! (laughs) Vegan tattoos. (laughs) This sounds like the perfect period of time for me. That sounds amazing. Um... That seems for a lifetime. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's the dream when all of this is over, even though we don't know when it's going to be over. Um, oh gosh. Okay. So we're here to talk about our trip in Thailand. And I was trying to remember how we got the idea to go. And I think that I was, I decided I wanted to go to Thailand because I've wanted to go for a long time and see elephants in person that weren't in zoos. And then either I told you or I asked you last minute. What happened? How did that happen? I have such a bad memory. I think it was like a month or so before we were like you're going. And then we just like you told me that you're going to Thailand. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to come so badly. And you're like, okay, just come. Please come with me. Perfect. And then in like one week, everything just got prepared and and it just went really fast but it was it was perfect oh that's so perfect it was I'm so glad you said yes because I I was gonna go by myself um I think I kind of thought of the trip at last minute and did research about it um and then I was like I'm just gonna go to Thailand I really want to go to this place I've heard people talk about elephant nature park before and it just made it 20 times more better that you went with me um yeah and this was last summer right yes okay yeah it was like the end of spring beginning of summer okay okay so another thing too is I've wanted to like show people how much some of these trips cost because I usually do budget travel except for the Africa trip I went on and the China trip were not budget trips. And now I'm in debt because of them because I went with a group and the other one I didn't plan out well enough. Um, but other than that, like you and I did a lot of budget travel. But do you remember how much you planned and saved ahead of time? Because I think that that um, I had an idea in my head of how much I was going to spend and I thought I was going to keep track, and then I didn't do that because everything was way cheaper than I thought. 
Did you do you remember how much you took with um, you? Yeah, so so luckily I had a little bit of a saving account. I just had gotten my tax return at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and so I spent around fifteen hundred dollars on the plane tickets. Uh no, that was how much money I had saved like beforehand. And then I spent around six hundred and fifty dollars on plane tickets. Okay. Um, but what really surprised me was not like the prices on the trip. Um, it was nicely cheap, and you can easily have made it cheaper than we did. Yeah. But um, what really surprised me was that I had to get vaccines, and those vaccines were like five hundred, almost six hundred dollars. <gasps> so that broke my budget. <laughs> yeah, that's that's expensive. That's why my Africa trip too ended up being so expensive. Um, and it's good you we were there for a month. You got vaccines and were very prepared and I didn't. So I knew I saved some money, but I was also a little worried while we were there because I didn't get any vaccines. So I guess it depends on if people want a piece of my yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and whether or not you have a mom that's a nurse or not, because my mom would not like let me leave these borders without having the right vaccines. Yeah. Yeah, I remember your mom being like, you have to get them. Um, oh, man, so do you remember how much you spent in total when we were there? Because what did we pay for? The plane tickets, and then we did lodging, food, Elephant Nature Park. We were there for a week, which was about like $400. And then other than that, we were kind of just bouncing around and staying in hostels that were anywhere from like $1 to maybe $15 a night. I would say. Yeah, it's, um, I think I spend around like $1,200. Okay. I think, but then again, I'm not sure. And that's like, obviously we spent some money on food and like the basic stuff, but I know that I went shopping quite a bit, um, in like markets and like, we went to a really nice restaurant one night and stuff like that, where we kind of boiled it like spoiled ourselves a little bit because there were some really hard times in the trip yeah so we deserved it <laughs> so we would have a bad day and then be like we're gonna get some fancy vegan food and eat our feelings away <laughs> yep <laughs> and it kind of worked <laughs> that's the way yeah it, oh it definitely worked oh definitely uh so we were there for I've a been month. doing it ever since <laughs> woohoo <laughs> such a healthy habit um what was I gonna say oh yeah what were you expecting the so we went and we met up in Chiang Mai and then we were there for like a day and then we went to Elephant Nature Park what were you expecting the park to be like because if you just look it up online you can tell that it's an elephant sanctuary what did you think you were gonna do there what did you think how do you think it was going to go? Because I didn't really have that many expectations, but I thought we would just be, like, bathing with elephants all day or something. I don't know what I thought. So, honestly, like, you you told me about it one night, and I was actually in Prague at that point um, with another friend. So I did not have time to look it up, and then there was just, like, two spots left. And I was like, I just booked it really fast, and 
ignored everything you had to read through and stuff like that. Just went really fast, booked in. So I had no expectations, like, at all, honestly. But it was mind-blowing how much it exceeded my non-existent expectations. Like, it was, it's crazy. I did not know anything about it, and I was only happily surprised. Yeah, I was too, because... I think when I saw it online, I didn't know that it was, it had like an animal rights theme to it. I knew that it had all vegan food, but nowhere on the website did it say anything about like veganism or animal rights. Like I thought it was just a big elephant sanctuary. Also on the website, I don't think it talked about a lot, all the other animals that they had. So when we got there and there were monkeys and pigs and all that stuff. I was like, whoa, this is even better than I could have ever dreamed up. Um, and, like, when you look at the page, it kind of looked like a tourist, not a tourist trap, but just, like, a really touristy thing. Yeah. But then you get there and you realize how much it's not about the tourists. It's about every other living being there. Yes. It, honestly, I think is the best sanctuary I've been to, and it blew my mind. Like... In the best way possible. Um, yeah. So I'm excited for us to talk about that. And then some of our adventures that we had in Thailand. Because I feel like people go there to backpack a lot. But before we get into the park and our adventures. I wanted to ask you a couple general just travel questions. Because we travel really well together. Um, and we know that because now we've been to Asia. And we've been to uh, Easter Island. And we've been to all these random places together. But how do you know that someone is okay to travel with? Or do you just chance it before you travel with someone? Um, I guess, like, I've never really been on a long travel with anybody else. Like, the maximum I've ever been is a week. And yeah. I feel like if it's just a week, you'll get through anything. Um, but what is definitely I've learned from traveling with other people is that you have to have like the same expectations and the same interests. So I'm not a party girl and I do not want to be out every night. I want to enjoy wherever I am. I want to see as many things as I can. I want to experience as much as I can um, and then go early to bed and <laughs> I want to go to vegan restaurants. Like I do not want to go to burger place every night. And I do not want to like go crazy in like restaurants where I can't get anything. Yeah. So that that's like the two biggest things for me probably. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because I feel like it's, uh, fun to travel in groups and it's fun to travel with people but if you have different ideas of what's going to happen you're going to get really upset when you have to spend money somewhere you didn't want to spend money or you're stuck going places because of safety reasons and you're with a group so that's why I feel like we travel so well together because <laughs> I just want to eat vegan food and go to bed too <laughs> we're both clapping Except, like, I, <laughs> I did not expect the food thing to be as a problem because like I just never really thought about it like that but then I've been traveling for example with my parents and they 
want to go to non-vegan restaurants. And then I'm like, that's okay. Like we have different interests. And I know that I could not persuade you to only go vegan places, but I do not want anything from a non-vegan restaurant. Yeah. And they're like, oh, but then they like kind of guilt trip me and make me feel really bad about being vegan. Um, so, so that whole thing definitely has become a bit of an issue with my parents. Yeah. So I'm kind of learning that and then traveling with somebody who has the same, just like diety, dietary <laughs> um, requirements as you do means a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Oh yeah. Cause so much is revolved around food. Like if you're going to meet with the local people and share a meal, or you're going to go on a three-day adventure and they have to pack meals, then you're not the only one being like, hey, please don't put any animal body or animal parts in this meal. You have someone else with you, and it, like, normalizes it a little bit more. So that was really fun. And I also want to say that there was so much good vegan food in Thailand. Like, so much. Not even specialty food, but just noodles and peanut sauces and vegetables and rice oh my gosh oh my gosh and fruit smoothies I didn't expect that one amazing I feel like that was real food and we don't have that in the U.S. that much it was so good though oh and they had the really good cacao like the cacao drink at the 7-Eleven oh (laughs) yeah that's not putting like high things on Thailand, but just like that one drink. Yeah. It's really good as well. So and if you're in the middle of nowhere and there's a 7-Eleven, that one's good. Yeah. Like a chocolate soy milk or almond milk. And I have to say 7-Eleven was amazing because it was so hot there and we would just look for a 7-Eleven and stand in the refrigerator like as much as we could and then drink drink like soy milk or something and it made everything so much better so thank you 7-eleven <laughs> okay so we got to thailand we got to thailand and then when we talk we make funny faces at each other so sometimes it's hard not to laugh um we went to chiang mai <laughs> And then we saw each other at the hostel, and then we went to Elephant Nature Park, and they pick you up from wherever you are as long as you're in Chiang Mai, and they take you to the park. Um, And what I wanted out of it was to see, like, rehabilitated elephants in real life out of a zoo, and um, I didn't necessarily, like, want to be all over them. Definitely no riding definitely no like touching if they didn't want that or anything um so I that wasn't my main thing that I wanted to get out of it and I also wanted to learn why they were there in the first place oh and at the time I was working on a project called the people project which is not going to happen it's going to be renamed but I wanted to make a video about what we experienced at the elephant nature park which we did together and I still have it and I still have to put it together so those were my main goals, and I feel like we got 10 times um, what we expected out of it. Could you tell everyone what a normal day was like there after we would wake up and stuff? Yes, so we would wake up kind of early. 
um, Kaylin version early, Anne version not that early. <laughs> <laughs> and then... And then we go and meet up like with the other people that we we're working with that were there for an entire week and we would get amazing breakfast. Mm. Like the best be- breakfast of your entire life. And they had croissants and they were so good. And I learned how to say croissant. That's not the point. And then and then we'd go to work and it would be like cleaning poop or like making food for the elephants or um, just helping around on the farm and doing the stuff that needs to be done when you're feeding a lot of elephants because elephants feed a lot. So there, there was a lot of work with that. And we had to clean, obviously, every day. And then we would get lunch, which was even more amazing than breakfast. So that was mind-blowing. Yes. And then we'd have to go rest for like an hour because it was so hot and the work was a lot harder than I expected, but in like the best way possible. Yeah. It was, we had so much fun working. And then we'd work some more uh, after lunch and then we'd just take like a, about an hour nap and then we'd hit r- go running, which is one of my favorite parts of the trip. Because <laughs> um, So we, the first or the second day, we convinced our guy to go running with us. And he had never gone on a run before because he was, like, working so much during the day. So he didn't have to do, like, a workout like the rest of us do have to, especially after eating so much good food. Um, But we would go for this run and it was so much fun. And we'd get more and more people gathered every day. And then we would go play soccer with the locals. Um, Because when we'd get back around 5 o'clock, they would get the elephants back in their housings um, and then the field was free to play soccer and then we'd eat some more and do evening activities so the day would just pass on really really fast yeah and the day was that would the day was really full and that was a really good description because I don't even know if I can remember the whole day but I do remember the meals were amazing it was a vegan buffet for breakfast lunch and dinner It was so hot, and I thought we'd be doing more work with actual elephants. Like I said, I don't know what I thought we would be doing. I didn't think it'd be hands-on, but I thought it'd be closer to them. But it was more, like you said, like shoveling elephant poop, peeling bananas, um, all of the stuff that you described, cleaning and, uh, you know, hanging out with the people who worked there, like our guide who ended up going on a run with us, hanging out with them, seeing what they needed us to do. But going on runs... It was so hard for me there because I hadn't run in a long time and it was so hot and we would run up and down hills and our guide, and by guide I mean like the person uh, from there who was assigned to our group um, who worked at Elephant Nature Park, he had never run before but he was amazing. He was blowing us all out of the water and going on the runs was such a good idea because we got to see parts of the park that were off limits to people usually. So we would run out of the park. We'd run around two or three miles and they'd bring us in the back like housing entrance for the workers and the elephants would still be out and about there and we'd get to like run through. Obviously not if they were in the pathway or if we would have scared them or anything like that, but we'd get to see them by the water or something. And that was so special. I'm so glad that we started that. And 
I still have the GoPro footage. I'm going to have to put it together of us playing soccer um, with the people that worked there because that was so much fun. We don't, like, I don't speak Thai and a lot of them, I think, do speak English too, but we would, like, just look at each other and they would laugh at us because they were so much better than us. Um, and it was so much communi- like non-verbal communication that it was just... It was the best time ever. So I'm going to have to put together a little soccer video to go with this podcast episode. It's, uh, it's just, it's so much fun. And one thing, like, we did maybe, like, if you think hour-wise, we didn't do a lot of work. But what we did was so, I don't know how to put it, but it was like, you get so grateful that you get to do this work, that you get to contrib- contribute to, like, yeah. this whole community to what they're doing for wildlife and, and what they're doing for animals who had no other place to go, so to speak. Like, it was just so, you get so grateful after doing work, which normally I don't do. I just wait for the check. Yeah. But it was just work in a whole other way. It was so, it was, I would work for them every day, even though it was really hard and really hot. It was really it was really hot but yeah I agree with you and um it's interesting because I'm feel like I'm learning more about like the white savior complex and volunteer tourism and like you know us thinking that we're gonna go somewhere and solve the problem but the way that elephant nature park is set up is that they're feeding like what did they have over a hundred elephants I think plus they have Water buffalo, cats, dogs, um, pigs, other farmed animals, monkeys, other wild animals. So they need so much money to fund that. And from what I understand, they're funding it from tourism. Um, they also need a lot of work to be done. Like they need the food to be prepared, the stalls cleaned, all that stuff. So by having groups there, that's how they make their income. Um, so I feel like you go in there and you get educated about why the animals are there And not that we are solving the problem. They're solving the problem. But I think that it is helpful. Like, that's how they have their income, by people coming in. And that's how they get some things done. Um, So, yeah, it's interesting the more I learned about that. But I felt like the relationship with them was that they weren't dependent on us. But the income that they made was, like, food going to the animals, um... Yeah, and I feel like it was just an educational experience all around. So I'm really grateful that we got to go and see what it takes to take care of that many large animals because I'll take care of farmed animals and it's not that much work. (laughs) But, you know, just doing daily tasks for a week for elephants, that's like, wow. I'm just, I'm very impressed that they're pulling it all off. Like, so much. Um, I just remember one day a truck, no, go ahead. I just remember one day, like a truck pulled up, <laughs> a truck pulled up with like stuff with watermelons, and we have to get them cleaned and put them on the shelves so they're ready for the elephants. And so we did that, and it was really, really hard work. And everybody was singing along, yeah, passing the watermelons, sweating their butts off. And then after that first truck, we were like, "Oh, that was so hard." how long is that food going to last for? And they're like, that's not even half a day. And then another truck pulled up. <laughs> like, okay, 
back at it. <laughs> yep. I feel like the singing made the task go so much. The group of people we were with was awesome. And the singing made it go so much faster. And all the amazing people we were with made it so much fun. Like, made it so much fun. Because I don't... I think... You know, physically it was a little bit challenging, but the heat, when you're not used to it, the heat made it the most challenging for me. So I was just like, please distract me from this heat. Yes. <laughs> yes. But um, I feel like I learned a lot about elephants and like how they're abused in animal tourism, not just there, but all over the world. And it was a bunch of stuff that I had no idea about. So I'll share a little bit about it. Um, so all over the world, elephants are used for logging. When people go and cut down trees, they're used to do the heavy work and pull logs. Um, and oftentimes they'll have mothers and they'll have babies with them and they'll force the babies to stick with the mothers. So the mothers and babies have a good chance of getting hurt. And they also use male elephants, but that was just a common example they had of mothers and babies having to do the work together because the baby just follows the mom and like a log would fall on one of them or both of them. And then they end up with big in, uh, injuries. And besides that, all over the world, um, elephants are used for tur tourism purposes. So they might have to beg for money on the street. And obviously they were not made to be in a city with all the lights, the sound, the traffic, um, you know, sometimes getting hit by cars. Like, that's not where they should be. That's another thing that elephants are used for. And then, obviously, trekking is all over the world. People, instead of, you know, hiking different places, they ride elephants. And what a lot of people don't know is that when this happens, first of all, animals are not here for us to ride or to use for things like that in the first place. Their bodies were not made for that, even though they're large animals. And then... They're not getting enough food most times. They're not getting enough water. And then they're going on very strenuous walks with people on their backs. And then to get to the point where they're submissive to humans, um, that means that they have to be broken. And we hear that term with horses a lot. Like they come in this wild natural state and you basically have to break their spirits, break them down so that they listen to human commands, right? Because... The elephant you pull out of the wild or the horse that you pull out of the wild and the elephant that people are riding or the horse people are riding are two different things because those animals have been broken so that they will listen to humans because they're afraid of them or that's where their food comes from. Um, so we learned so much about that because I know trekking, like elephant and animal trekking, um, maybe on donkeys or horses is still really popular everywhere. Um, and then what else? Oh, they had shows. There were shows, and this is, you know, not just Thailand specific either, but there are shows where elephants have to paint, they have to play basketball, they have to step over humans. And I mean, we have shows, you know, for all different sorts of animals. It's not just elephants. Um, and then they're also used at zoos. And sometimes the zoos in the place where these shows happen will be completely different places. Um, so there's just so many different ways that we, as humans, use animals. And then on top of all of that, the trekking, the zoos, the, the um, circuses, the shows, the begging for money, all of those different things, we also use them for their parts. 
Um, you know, humans will use the tusks for different things, the ivory. So I feel like we really just, you know, once you dive into one animal, like we did with elephants, and you start to learn how we use them, you're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm not saying by any means that it's just Thailand or it's just Asia. It's everywhere. It's in the U.S. Um, you know, it's it's in Europe. It's it's everywhere. And I feel like it's a global problem. But I would also like to mention that um, sometimes, as we learned, people are just doing this because they feel like it's the only option that they have for their families, you know, to provide for themselves. Maybe they grew up in a family who already that's what they were doing, that's all they know, that's the culture, that's how they're going to make their money, which doesn't make it right. But, you know, for example, I've come from a place where I'm way more privileged and don't have to do that and have options for jobs. So I do think when we talk about this, it's important to talk about how for some people that seems like the only option that feels like the only option that they have. Um, And yeah, we met some really amazing people who were, you know, exploiting elephants and exploiting animals and like breaking their spirits and, you know, causing them physical harm. And the one guy that we ended up talking to a lot, he was like, yeah, this is what, you know, this is what my dad did. This is where I live. You know, we were just asking him general questions about his life um, with no intentions behind it. We were just talking to him because he gave us a ride when we got stranded somewhere. Um, and it was just, yeah, it, it gets, when you learn about the exploitation that happens, especially with an animal that you care about, it's easy to get mad at the people. Um, but yeah, I think we should be mad at like the bigger culture and the government and less mad at individuals. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I feel like we learned about that a lot. Definitely. Like you can see in different social circles, it was quite privilege to have these like logging industry to have these circus industry to be to be the people that by force control these animals and it was it was like a good thing to be among these circles like he was very proud to be that he might have had other options but this was a good option in this culture it was it was looked on as a good thing as a I'm not sure how to put it, but like he was, he was really proud of it. And we were just in the back thinking what, what's going on. But that's kind of like the education there. He's just not, not focused on like what's actually going on with these animals. Yeah. Cause I think when you, yeah. It, Cause I feel like culture is so much to do with it. Like, you know, in the U S and even in, Denmark or other places in Europe, our culture tells us it's okay to um, confine animals in CAFOs and exploit them. And until, you know, we are privileged enough or have enough space or time to go learn about it, that's just what we know. I mean, yeah. And we might learn about it and choose to do the same thing, but we, I feel like you and I have had like time and space to research a lot of things and look at things differently, which other people might not have. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting and we should, in a little bit, we should get to the part where we got, where we got stranded and had to hitchhike (laughs) because 
Oh, gosh. My next question on the list actually was what were the hard parts about being at Elephant Nature Park? Um, and later we'll talk about, like, any hard parts on the trip in general, and that was that was definitely one of them. Um, but for me, the hard things that I – or the challenging things that happened at Elephant Nature Park was learning about all the things I just talked about. Um, like how they use elephants and we watched a lot of videos and we had a lot of group discussions on it because one of their main purposes there is not only like um, have a sanctuary for these animals and to rehabilitate them but also to educate people so that people are not spending their tourism dollars on that when they come but a really amazing thing that they do is that they go to locals in Thailand or in the community that are exploiting elephants for money, say they have a trekking business or something, and they convince them to keep the business, keep the animals, but just let people walk beside the elephants, just walk the elephants, um, and just do things with them to rehabilitate them so that they're keeping their elephants, the quality of care goes up, and they're not losing their business. So not only were they saying, don't support the bad industries, but they were also saying to the local people, like, we have a solution for you, um, which I think was really cool because the main founder of the Elephant Nature Park, Lek, is from Thailand and she is close with the community. So it's really nice that she has that option that she tries to offer people and she tries to help make it work with them. Um, but yeah, the hardest parts for me were A, the heat. And then B, learning about all the things that elephants go through. And then other people got sick, like food poisoning, which I think happens when you travel in general. And I remember one of our friends was like throwing up at two in the morning and we didn't know about it. But can you think of any other things that seemed really challenging while we were there? Um, I definitely say the movie as well. Uh, I just wrote like movie in caps lock to that question because we watched this movie where they broke down and a young elephant, mm -hmm. and that definitely broke me down as well. Yeah. Um, and I would just say, as well, like as a new vegan, <laughs> I'm not sure how to put it, but I've not been vegan for a very long time. Um, but just. Like getting that picture of an elephant, of these animals you've been walking so close by for for days at this time, and then getting that picture and putting it on your picture of a cow, which I come from a culture, from a family where there's a lot of farmers, there's a lot of animal agriculture, and then getting those feeling for elephant, and then thinking that's the same thing as the cow, that's the same thing as the pig. It's just a different size and different color, the animal. Yeah. So that, I think that was really hard for me. That really opened my mind. Um, so that, I, I think that was definitely one of the hard things as well. And I yeah. love the heat. I honestly love the heat. That was my <laughs> favorite thing. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Remember when we first went to the meeting, they were like, welcome to Thailand. Welcome to Elephant Nature Park. It's either hot or fucking hot here. <laughs> they said there's only two temperatures. Yeah. <laughs> and they were not kidding. Oh my god, I loved our time. <gasps> I no, know. It was oh, it was so good. It was so good. We had the best guides. So much fun. Um and the guides that work there live there and they like eat the food that's there and then um 
they get paid, but like our guides were staying after to hang out with us because we would ask them to like, you know, play soccer or go on runs. And it was just really, they were amazing. And eventually you'll see them in videos and pictures. So you'll get to meet them. Well, you, you already met them, but everyone else. I feel like we <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we really connected with our guides. Like, I have pictures of the group that we were together with, um, which was the best group I could have ever imagined. We were so different from different countries, different backgrounds, and we just came together, and I feel like I could not picture better people to have in that group. Yeah. Um, But the picture I have is just, like, that group, amazing group, and then our, like, guides that became more friends than guides and that was no that was just amazing going with runs oh so good it was so good so if anyone's thinking of going to thailand um and you want to volunteer like i said you pay to volunteer there it is so 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 worth it that money goes to take care of the animals and then you get to help take care of the animals you get amazing guides you get education on why elephants end up in bad situations. And then you also get to hear the stories of the elephants that they have. Um, you get to get up close to them just a couple times to feed them bananas. But I do like that they make you keep your space. They don't let you bathe with them. They don't let you just go in there whenever you want. They don't let you touch all over them because they are individuals who deserve personal bubbles and personal space and deserve you know, to choose who they want to be around. So they were so good about that. I I just couldn't say better things about that place. So I hope people go there um, if they visit. And the movie that we watched that was really, really hard to watch, but also really educational, where they talked about um, how they take male elephants because they're super rowdy and they like tie them up and they, like, break them down. Um, One of the hardest things I think I've ever watched, um, they showed us the movie Love and Bananas. And I can't remember if that scene was in the movie or if that was separate, because I know we watched multiple videos. Yeah. So the movie Love and Bananas, I know you can request it online, um, and I'll try to find it and put a link in the show notes. But it shows Lek, the founder of Elephant Nature Park, going with um, someone documenting everything that's happening and they go and rescue an elephant and they talk about how it's not all rainbows and butterflies because they're transporting a very large animal across the country across like you know hundreds of miles and that's dangerous for the elephants and the humans involved so it's an amazing movie if you want to learn more about it and if you want to cry a lot and just like Elephant Nature Park, and when I looked it up, I was like, oh, that's a little bit expensive, but I would have paid double the price. Honestly, after having been there, it's, if not the best, then one of the best lives in my, like, weeks in my life. And I scoop poop for two, three hours a day, and I still think it's one of the best, like, times I've ever had. So, 100% recommendable. I agree with you, and I want to go back with you. Oh, yes, yes. yes, please. That leads me into the next thing that I was hoping we would get to talk about is after we left Elephant Nature Park, um, 
we kind of went around Thailand to popular tourism spots. Well, one of them wasn't, but the rest were. And the other travelers that we met at Elephant Nature Park, it was three girls from the UK, um, our friend T, who is from France, um, who taught us how to say croissant, and I still can't say it, but he tried. Um, <laughs> and then our friend Michelle. Croissant. There you go, perfect. <laughs> we met uh, Michelle, who's from South Africa. And we ended up traveling with T and the three girls from the UK for what? Were we with them a couple weeks or a week after that? Um, we were with T for, I think, only two days. And then Rosie, Claire, and G, we were with them for five days. Five, okay. Five days, maybe a whole week, but... Oh, this shout out to them. They're like amazing. I know. I love them so much. So that's the other cool thing about traveling with by yourself or with like a small group that you really trust and you have space to like invite new friends in because it was the three girls traveling together and then us two traveling together. And we had so much fun together at Elephant Nature Park. They just got put in our group that we ended up backpacking with them through Thailand a little bit longer and um yeah sometimes when you're not by yourself or in a small group that doesn't happen as much so I'd say that's a benefit to backpacking with no plans or being with just one or two people that you really care about um because that was one of the best things about being there so yeah yeah that's like definitely one of the big perks of going to a place like that for a week with the same people and is that you bond so much with them that traveling with them afterwards is really easy and really fun. Yeah. And you don't feel as lonely in a big country as Thailand. Yeah. And then when you leave them, you feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> story of my life. Yeah. For real. That is the story of our lives. Um, so where did we go after that? In Thailand, I know we went to touristy places. We went to the islands. Well, as no, as your friend who's a really like, I do like details and I do like planning quite a lot. <laughs> so I can tell you that we went to Chiang Mai, back to Chiang Mai for a few days. Stayed at the worst hostel I've ever <gasps> stayed at. Oh, then yes. Then we went to Pai. And then we went to Surin, um, which is the most horrible place I've ever been. We went to Krabi, and then we went to the Fifi Islands, and then to Bangkok. So that was wow. a quick brush up. I don't know how you remembered all of that, and I'm so glad you took over that part of this podcast, because I could not remember that. <sighs> that was so good. Did you have a favorite place? Um. Elephant Nature Park, and then I really like Pai. Um, that one day we went on the like small bike things. Yeah, which is really scary and really fun. And then the Fifi Islands. That day we went on a hike, hike, and got eaten up by whatever <gasps> small things those were. 
gags. But that was so much fun. I love that hike so much. Me too. So when you go to the islands, um, for anyone who's going to travel Thailand or if you have traveled before, the islands are super touristy. It's locals living there that work there. And then I feel like it's dominated by tourists and like frat kids and like people in college um, who go there to party and go to the full moon parties and everything. And so it seems like there's not a lot of things to do except for touristy things. But we did talk to a local and they told us about a few paths that not a lot of people know about, but they said it was okay to go on them. So we hiked from one beach to another and we hardly saw anyone. Um, and I feel like that's such a fun thing when you're do to do when you're in new places. Like if you aren't the kind of person who wants to do all the touristy stuff, because I think we checked out one pool party. Do you remember that? And the music was blaring and everyone was super yes. drunk. <laughs> and then And we couldn't start like stop thinking about all the bodily fluids that were in that pool. Oh <laughs> yes. It was horrible. It was and a lot of fun at the same time. It was a lot of fun because everyone was partying and they were really excited. But there were so many people in that pool and everyone was like slurring their words and so many germs going around and you and I were just dancing. And at one point I got in a three person like pile up on top of shoulders in the pool. And then eventually we're like, we got to go to bed. <laughs> Time to hit home. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the... The trip was interesting because we then went. And that was the place where we had this really nice hotel. <gasps> um, that was just like you could hear the water from the hotel, and it had a really good air conditioning. Yes. And the best view ever. Yes. But the downside was is you could hear everyone partying every night, late into the night. Yeah. It was definitely like I love the island, but it was just way too touristy because what I liked about the island was that one day where we like I liked a lot of things about the island but especially that one day where we went hiking away from everything yeah and we it was so stupid I I'm normally good with maths I love hiking I love like figuring my way around places and we went for this hike and it was like two and a half hours to get to the other beach and we did not bring a lot of water and we couldn't buy water at the other beach because it was just left there was nobody there um it was obviously a former touristy spot and then we were so tired when we had to walk back and i was like i'm not gonna survive two and two and a half hours and we just kept walking and walking and we got lost and then suddenly we were at the place where we had started just like half an hour later <laughs> so we've just been walking for two and a half hours to get there and then we just got back in like half an hour. So that was that was a good surprise. Yeah, and I'm glad we were together for that and we were still friends because I feel like some people would get so upset and they would have started fighting, but we did a really good job. It was fun. It was fun, even though we both probably had like 50 bug bites all over our bodies. Yeah. Not so fun, that part. No, that was not the fun part. But worth it. But worth it. Um, 
I feel like we hit a lot of spots people go to when they go to Thailand, and it was our first time, so that's probably why we did that. Um, like, the main places, like the islands, which, like we said, are super touristy, but there are really nice things you can do off the beaten path, too, if you need a break. And then Pai was, like, this hippie, cute little, very touristy also, but, like, a mix of more locals place where we went on runs, we read, rode the mopeds, we tried Muay Thai, isn't it called Muay Thai? The boxing-ish The Thai thing? All right! That was so much fun! I it's, love that! Oh, yeah. I want to I try that again, that was so much fun. Oh yeah. You can, you can go and take a class, and I forget how much it was, but it was like a one or two hour class of, I think it's called Muay Thai, Mai Thai? Oh, I should have looked that up before this podcast. Anywho, um, they train you and kick your butt. And the closest thing I can say to like things that people listening might understand, it's almost like boxing, but way different. <laughs> um, and it's an intense workout. And I thought I was almost crying at one point. And I looked at you and you looked like you were loving it. So I was like, I can't cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. But what I also loved about it is, it's like, so I don't know how it is in the U.S., but here in Denmark, um, like the fitness trainer, the instructor is quite separated from the group, like would not go over and give a high five or something like that. But this guy was like a personal trainer for each one of us and would give us like, no, you're not hitting hard enough or yeah. no, you got to tighten your ass or something like that and it was we were there for one time and it was as serious as had we been like on the national Thai championship team yeah it was crazy yeah, it and was, i loved it it was intimidating <laughs> yes but that's a that's a really good thing to do if you're traveling through pi i can't even tell you the name of the studio because it was like a local one that we ended up just running into. But if you are traveling in Thailand, it's a good way to support local people who actually live there um, because they had, you know, their normal people come in, but they also had it open to groups, uh, to traveling, like, groups that were coming through the area. So I almost forgot about that, and I'm really glad that we brought that up. Um, but I wanted to talk about a few other ways to be a more conscious traveler. And obviously, traveling itself uh, uses a lot of resources. So I know that that's the the hypocrisy, but, um, I do want to talk about some things that we learned on this trip, just about plastic and sunscreen and animal tourism, because I feel like those are problems all over the world. Um, and with sunscreen, I'm talking about the chemicals that we put on our bodies and then get into the ocean and how that affects the sea life. But, you know, we saw so much trash on the island and it was not from local people. It was from tourists who came through a place that they weren't from, that they didn't live at, and threw their trash out of boats and onto the islands and then left. And that, I think that made us both really upset. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, you can you can travel in so many ways and Obviously, taking a flight halfway across the world is not eco-friendly, 
at all. Um, however, if you do decide to do that, you have so many options. So, for example, I traveled with KLM, which is Royal Dutch Airline, and they have this thing that when you book your ticket, actually the day until you get on your flight, you can climate compensate. And I know it definitely does not change enough, um, and it's still a flight, but it's where you pay a certain amount of money, which is actually not that much. And then they will compensate for the bad things that you're putting out on the environment. They will mm. do like climate compensating with planting trees or just getting like lighter flights, uh, which will make it cheaper as well. And with the flights as well, travel light, um, every pound on an airplane counts. So that's definitely just like two things to, to start with. And then as we're talking about like trash is a big part and also just what you buy there. If you buy everything at a street vendor, you buy like shoes and shirts and everything. That's, that's good if you buy what the locals have made, but if you buy the cheap China stuff, so to speak, um, it's not going to last long. So you're just going to throw it away after a bit. Mm. And then that just, goes back into being trash and don't throw trash like cigarette buds put them in the trash can that's that's what the trash cans are there for if you must smoke do it eco-friendly um and obviously the food and the sunscreen nowadays more and more sunscreens have become or like are being made with mineral filter which means that um it's made often with zinc oxide which is better for the environment when you then go swimming with your sunscreen on. And nowadays they're kind of hard to find at like touristy spots, but we went to really nice surf and diving stores um, where they also did really good professional tours. And there you could get the sunscreen that are made specifically reef friendly as they're called. Um, so that's definitely a start. Yeah, those are all really helpful things because I feel like, you know, no matter where you travel, even if you're, you know, it might not be beach specific because that one's pretty specific. If you're going to be swimming in the ocean, those are just good things to think about in general because we saw so many cigarette butts. We saw so much, so many plastic bags, so many bottles, and it was all from tourists coming through. So something helpful that we can do is buy, as travelers, buy um, reusable containers, like a metal straw, um, your own water bottle. And it was hard for us in Thailand when it came to the water bottles because we couldn't drink the water without getting sick. So we had to buy filtered water. But when I went to China, my friend just got one of those ones that, uh, one of those gadgets that, I don't know how it does it, but it filters the water for you after you put in the water, local water to your water bottle and it cleans it for you. So I think next time if we did it, that would be a good thing to do. But if you're bringing your own reusable utensils, you're bringing all that stuff, then every place you go, you don't have to ask for plastic silverware, a water bottle. You don't have to ask for all these things. And it's a really small thing to do, but could you imagine if we all did that, <laughs> how much less trash there would be? Um, and then, yeah, when you're in places eating plant-based foods because I have found plant-based foods so far in all the countries that I've been to. I think you've found the same thing and 
animal agriculture is one of the leading causes of climate change and um, wildlife habitats being destroyed. So when we go to other countries, I at least think that it's good climate etiquette to be eating as light as we can. Um, because yeah, the plane is already so much strain on the environment and then our plastic waste and then getting around from place to place. So, you know, why not start with something that we do three times a day and change that as well, you know? Exactly. And also, um, now we saw that a lot like people who traveled with and more and more tourists are being aware of like straws, for example, which is perfect because it's so easy to get a drink without a straw and straws are almost always plastic when you go to cafes or touristy spots in Thailand, for example. But also just remember that the fishing nets, the plastic we throw out in the ocean while fishing, the way that we're destroying the ocean by fishing because we're destroying the reefs as these big ships and their big um, nets are are just destroying the ground or destroying the, the sea life, getting a lot of unwanted dolphins and turtles and stuff in the nest that is not they don't mean to take up but those ones get killed as well and um, so fishing as well um a lot of places was like seafood restaurants because that's big in countries that has a lot of ocean but just remember that those are really really big as well um really big cause of climate change as well so yeah eco-friendly there as well yeah, because I feel like everyone freaks out about the straw thing. They're like, save a fish, don't use a straw. And I'm like, how about save a fish, don't eat a fish? Like, that's a more, you know, <laughs> that's a more direct way. Save a fish, don't eat them, you know, and support fishing, especially commercial fishing. Either one, but yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so, yeah, I think those are some good things. I just learned. remember, like, yeah, and also... Just remember, I I find it hard not to beat myself sometimes when I, like, order something and don't think to say that I don't want a straw or don't want single-use utensils. But just remember, like, it's a learning curve and it's so hard. And there's so many times where we were eating and they were like, oh, dang it, this is, like, single-use utensils or it's a plastic straw or stuff like that. Yeah. It's just like every time you process that, every time you think of that, it changes. And one day we went to this restaurant that we'd gone to three times on the Fifi Islands. And we met these really nice guys that were from Canada, I think. Yeah. And this guy was like, oh, he had never had vegan food before. But his friend that he was struggling with at that point was vegan. And they didn't know if they could get any vegan food at the restaurant because on the menu there wasn't any. And then we just asked and it was really easy for them to make it vegan. And then the guy who had never had a vegan, like, I'm not sure, like, supposedly vegan meal because he would do a lot of animal bodies, a lot of animal products. Um, he was like, this is really easy and it was way cheaper and really tasty so it's it's always possible yeah oh yes and I think for that meal I remember that meal and it was so good um all we had to do is ask for them to take the fish sauce out 
So yeah, like you said, sometimes when it's not on the menu, you just ask. Or if I go places and I know I don't speak the language and I'm not going to have Wi-Fi to translate on my phone, you can sometimes look it up online first or you can print off cards from online to give your server that says, hey, like, you know, in the local language, I'm vegan. This just means I don't eat animal products. Do you have anything on your menu or is there any way you could specialize a dish? And sometimes people get really excited to try to specialize them and make them vegan. And sometimes, you know, people don't like it. But I think that it's good to know that you can ask. It's always a good idea to try. Yes, it's always a good idea to try. Um, But yeah, that's mainly I wanted to tell people about, you know, some budget travel in Thailand, Elephant Nature Park, um, some tips to be a little more mindful when we travel. Was there any other stories that you could think of that you'd like to share or at least for us to talk about so when we come back we remember them? <laughs> when we listen to this when we're older? I just <laughs> There are so many good stories. I was just looking through pictures as well. We had so much fun. And I definitely think the mopeds, um, it's a really good idea to safely rent mopeds and and drive around because you get to see lots of parts that you otherwise don't get to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would just say all the nature in Thailand, Bangkok was beautiful. Um, But I would definitely recommend the the beautiful nature of Thailand and enjoy it whilst it's there because we never know how long it's going to last. But let's yeah. let's hope it's there forever because it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and I think one of the best moments for me was when we were at Elephant Nature Park and the guy Derek, who is Lex's partner, the founder, was standing under elephants in the rain. He was standing between. He was not standing. I'm sorry. He was sitting on the ground. I have a picture of it, and there's like three elephants around him. He's sitting in between their legs, and they're being careful not to step on him. And it's raining. And after that, and right before, he was telling us about how animal agriculture is destroying the elephants' habitat, and it's pushing them into more populated places. Um, And they're getting killed, and they're easier to capture, and they're being used, so their numbers are declining really greatly. But I remember crying, and I remember you crying later because... He was just talking about, you know, how magnificent they are and how magnificent nature is and how with our food choices, we are destroying that and not even thinking twice about it. So that was, you know, I already knew a lot of that information, but just hearing someone else say it, watching him sit underneath the elephants that like cared about him and he cared about them. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It was one of the greatest moments. And also just being in a place like Elephant Nature Park where they have so much respect for animals. I remember our first day there, the guide or our friend um, said, there's a hierarchy here. Like in every other like city with roads and stuff, it's not truck, cars, pedestrians. Mm-hmm. It's elephants, it's water buffaloes, it's dogs, it's cats, it's cows. It's horses, it's pigs, then it's guides, and then it's tourists. I love that. That was like my 
favorite thing ever. That's amazing. That's how it should be. Definitely. And I loved how he just kept going with all the animals they had there and how we were there to show them respect, not the other way around. I love it. <laughs> that was a very long clap. People are listening are probably like, oh gosh, just move on to the next topic. But, um, oh, I'm so glad <laughs> that you remembered that he said that because that was really important. And, um, yeah, I feel like that was kind of the theme of our trip. And I'm so glad that we went. We have so many memories. Thailand is where I shaved all my hair off because Anne convinced me to and was super supportive about it. Um, it's where we learned so much about wildlife and how to be more responsible tourists and travelers. And we made so many friends. Um, and yeah. It was just, it was a wild ride, but I will never forget it. One of the best trips, moments of my life. Definitely. I, I, when people ask me about it, I'm always like, it was one of the hardest trips and one of the best trips I've ever been on. Because we went to some horrific places, um, to some zoos and some circuses for animals to document what was going on. Yeah. And that was some of the hardest thing I've ever, ever experienced. And then at the same time, we had the most amazing three weeks, saw amazing sights, got to know amazing people, amazing animals, and went swimming in the ocean at late at night. It was just perfect. Absolutely perfect. Oh, that's perfect. Well, thank you so much for doing this podcast episode. We talked about doing it a while ago, but I also talked about making a bunch of content a while ago that I didn't do yet. <laughs> so I'm really glad that we did this and we can look back and remember it and hopefully someone traveling who decides on going to Thailand, because a lot of backpackers do, can find some helpful information in this Um but yeah, where can people follow you if they want to look at your travel pictures or any of that good stuff? So I'm not the big the big blogger yet. <laughs> I'm on Instagram. Um, I think I'm I'm tagged in a few Kaylin's pictures. A lot. <laughs> um, otherwise, my name is underscore glad. Um, and yeah, I post a little bit about whenever traveling um, and try to give a little bit of tips now and then on how to do and then just a lot of fun pictures of a friend and try to spread joy sometimes when it's otherwise hard. Um, so yeah, that's me. And a, and a little bit of vegan context once in a while as well. Yeah. And you're really good with your hashtags. The hashtags are always the best parts of your posts. Hashtag. always read my hashtags like they're they're the best they are that's what i achieve in life um how should we end this should we should we sing people um what if we sang happy birthday to end this and i sing it in english and you sing it in danish 
Okay. Because you it's recently not though. Like, you, you recently sent me a happy but birthday message and it. sang it. Okay. And it sounded really good. Alright, you ready? Three, two, <laughs> oh. one. <laughs> Make the world a better place by leaving things better than I found it. You know, whether it be people or the planet or, you know, all kinds of things. Isn't there a quote that says, feel fear and do it anyways? Yeah. 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 So I think for us insignificance, we have to do it ourselves. A lot of people are doing things in their life that they're not completely happy with, mm -hmm. and they're doing it just because, you know, it's a norm, and they feel like they feel pressured by society. Definitely. Or they're just, you know, stuck in this rut, mm -hmm. and, you know, ruts can be comfortable for people. and They can be very comfortable. Comfort is not how you, how you grow as a person. <laughs>